0: Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, your host for the podcast. And I want to thank you so much for joining me for this episode, taking a little time out of your day to chat with me about sexual abuse and sexual abuse within the church. And well, it's been kind of a crazy week. And I feel like I almost start every episode of the podcast by saying it's a crazy week. Maybe I should just admit I have a crazy life, but literally last week, Um, the day that I would have been recording the podcast. Instead, what I did was drop my one-year-old MacBook Pro on the tile sideways and just completely shattered the screen like internally. So yeah, instead of recording a podcast, I ran to the Genius Bar and tried to get my laptop fixed. Long story short, they had to ship it to Texas to fix the screen. It's going to cost $700. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I was prepared to just buy a new computer just to like, you know, whatever. Here's my credit card. Take all my money. I have to have a computer to work with, but they're going to fix it and I'm going to get it back in seven to 10 business days. So that's nice. But. That's what happened last week. So there was no episode of Survivor Sanctuary last week. Well, that's not the only craziness that happened in my life over the last week. And actually, something else happened that inspired this episode of Survivor Sanctuary, where I'm literally asking if my podcast, or maybe not necessarily my podcast, but if speaking out about sexual abuse within the church is actually sending people to hell or turning people away from Christ. So what brings up this question is an issue that I have with a family member who I'm not going to go into great detail. He probably needs to be medicated, and so I take kind of everything that he says with a grain of salt, but he's very, very hyper, hyper conservative and super legalistic and fundamental Baptist. And listen, I'm not trashing people who are fundamental Baptists. I'm not trying to say that there's anything like wrong overall with a person who. Identifies with that brand of Christianity. I'm just saying that, like, when this person will call anyone out who doesn't use the King James Version of the Bible, but will then curse his niece on Facebook for the whole world to hear and call her filthy names because he's upset that she liked a post that he didn't agree with, you know, that kind of behavior is like very questionable. And I'm going to say that if your fundamentalism has taken you there, it has taken you too far. Um, But the point is not to argue, you know, what denomination is great, or anything like that. It's just to say that This is kind of what kicked off the subject of the podcast today, because after he cursed me on Facebook for the whole world to see, he sent a letter, not to me, but to my parents. Like, I mean, my parents, I guess it's because um, one of them questioned like, okay, why are you cussing at? Our daughter on Facebook, like that's not nice. You know, it's one of my dad's brothers. So um, he actually wrote a letter to my parents, kind of like explaining. And it was this super long letter. And in this letter, he basically said that the reason that he has a problem with me is because, um, in a nutshell, ever since I started that advocacy page, No Less Than Light, I have been constantly giving the Church of Jesus Christ a bad rep a black eye, and I'm quoting, these are quotes from his letter constantly on the net for all to see, and it's not helping the church's cause to win the lost. He went on to say that God set up church discipline to deal with sexual abuse and that to drag the church through hell for all unbelievers to see is not helping anyone to come to Christ, and it only reinforces to the lost to stay away from Christians and churches. Okay, so I will say this. Yes, this letter and all this craziness inspired this episode of the podcast, but... I'm not here to talk about what one of my crazy uncles who probably needs to be medicated, and I'm not saying that lightly. He probably does need to be medicated in some way. Um, that's not what this is about, like his opinion of me. But as I read through his comments, I realized that they triggered me not because he was saying them, but that because I know there are so many people who believe the things that he wrote in his letter even though maybe they're not struggling with a serious mental illness, or they're not flying off the handle and cussing people out. There are a lot of, quote, good Christian people who believe the things that he said in the letters. So I thought to myself, and it did kind of trigger me, you know, being cussed out on Facebook, like it's not fun, but Hello, dysfunctional family. Like when you come from one, you kind of, and it's sad, but you kind of get used to the craziness. You kind of get used to people saying and doing things that just aren't appropriate. And unfortunately, that's just with this particular person in my family. You kind of are just like, okay, well, that's him being him. And yeah, it's abusive and yeah, it's not right. But I'm not going to let my life crumble over it because, you know, I know my worth more than that. But in this letter, and the things that he mentioned, as far as like, I'm not helping anyone come to Christ by speaking out on sexual abuse. And I am just constantly giving the Church of Jesus Christ a bad rep and a black eye. Those things are things that I have heard from people who are just your average Christians, who honestly believe what they're saying. And they're not necessarily saying it to lash out at survivors of sexual abuse, although I think that sometimes that is what's behind it. But often these people just truly believe that, oh my goodness, when you say things about the church that are unfavorable or paint it in an unfavorable light, and when you call these sexual abuse scandals um, out, you call out the people who are covering them up, you call out these churches for doing the wrong thing, then what you're doing is turning people away from Christ. And I want to talk about that on today's podcast. Podcast because it's something that so many survivors deal with all the time. In fact, I posted about this on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page, and you can join it. I always like to give a little plug. You can join us there. It's uh, Facebook, and then just search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast, and you'll find the podcast page, and um, you can request to join. You'll be asked to answer a membership question, then you can get in. But I asked this question on the Facebook group, and I just said, I would love to include some of your personal experiences because I know I'm not the only person who has to deal with people pushing back when I post about abuse in the church, like telling me things like, oh, I'm giving the church a black eye or... I'm turning people away from Christ by speaking out. So I asked people to share their personal stories. And oh my goodness, like I'm not going to be able to like read everybody's comments on the podcast today because it would take literally a long time. We had so many people commenting and so many people saying that that has been their experience. And while it's nice to have people that are kind of like in your corner and who know what you're going through, like that's always a good feeling. Like I'm not alone in this. There are people who understand at the same time, it was really sad to me reading through the comments and reading through some of the things that have been said and done to people who spoke out about being sexually abused or who spoke out on behalf of someone else who had been sexually abused. And so many people just kept saying, like the same comments over and over and over again Don't talk about it. Let God take care of this. You don't want this person to lose their ministry, do you? You don't want to hurt the cause of Christ, do you? You're going to hurt the church if you keep talking. Talking about this and just these comments over and over again that everyone has had to deal with. And some of them just had my blood pressure like skyrocketing. So I wanted to touch on that today and just kind of unpack it a little bit. And I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast you probably are on the same page or near the same page with me on this in disagreeing that we're hurting the cause of Christ by speaking out about sexual abuse. But you know, I post these podcasts sometimes on my page just to invite people to listen. So maybe you're tuning into the podcast for the first time. And maybe you're one of the people who, when I post on Facebook about sexual abuse, you kind of cringe inwardly. And you're like, ugh, Why does she have to talk about sexual abuse in the church? It's so cringy. Like, why? Like, why can't she just be funny and post like funny memes and not talk about this stuff? And I know there are people like that people who will not touch my abuse posts with a 10 foot pole and who just are very cringy about it. They don't want to hear about it, they don't want to see it. And I know that good people, probably people who I love and care about, are among those who truly believe that to speak out about sexual abuse within the church and to speak out about cover-ups within the church is somehow to hurt the cause of Christ. So I want to talk about that. I just, I want to challenge it today and not in a mean and nasty way. I feel like sometimes when we get just so tired of being beat down over and over and over again as survivors um, or even as advocates, it can be easy to just be like, you all suck and you're wrong and you're just, you know, name calling or throwing accusations. At people and getting defensive. And I don't want to do that because I honestly think that people in ignorance believe the lie that to speak out about something that's wrong within the church is somehow to hurt the cause of Christ or is to somehow send people to hell. And going back to some of the posts that were on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. I literally had people saying, multiple people saying that they were told that people were going to go to hell if they spoke out. Like you're going to be responsible for lost souls if you need to talk about the fact that this pastor sexually abused you for years, that this pastor, like trigger warning, because I'm just going to say like this pastor raped you when you were a small child. But if you speak out about it, you're sending people to hell. I, I don't understand people's thought process when they're saying things like this to victims of sexual abuse. But this is something that sexual abuse victims deal with all the time. And that's not an exaggeration. That's not just saying like, oh, this is a thing we've heard people deal with. Like if if you're a survivor, you know what I'm talking about because I'm sure you have your own stories. We all have them and it's not fair. It's not fair that you tell a small child that they're sending people to hell if they need help with what's happened to them. That they're sending people to hell if they're trying to stop a child predator from sexualizing other children. It's just a little bit insane and bothers me more than I can relay on this podcast. But reading those comments and I want to thank everybody first of all. If you commented on the group page, I want to thank you for being willing to put part of your story out there and to be vulnerable and And to engage in this conversation. And I'm also sad that so many people were able to comment because so many people have dealt with this. So I want to ask by what we're doing by speaking out on sexual abuse, uh, what is a person doing when they speak out about sexual abuse? Because there are a lot of misconceptions, and I've talked about this in past podcasts, but essentially what we're doing is we're seeing a very big problem, and we are trying to prevent what happened to us from happening to someone else, we are trying to find justice for something that happened, and that people are trying to actively cover up, or that the person, the perpetrator, has never been held responsible for those actions. Um, we're trying to warn people who maybe are going to a church where there is a predator who is literally behind the pulpit. And this happens all the time for survivors as well. There's a predator in the pulpit. And as survivors, we feel responsible. We feel responsible because we do not want what happened to us to happen to anybody else. So what we're doing when we speak out, and I guess I can't speak for every single, you know, survivor of, of sexual abuse that we're all speaking out for the exact same reason, but it really falls kind of Along the same line, if it's not exactly the same, it's because we are trying to protect other people from what happened to us. We're trying to get our stories out because suddenly we realize that what happened to us and what we had kept quiet for so long is a really, really terrible thing and that we wrongly were silenced and that this needs to get out so that other people are not in danger. There are variations and different reasons for every survivor to speak out. None of them are wrong, you know, but I think. They all kind of, when we speak out on sexual abuse in the church, it's because we need to see a change in the church. And typically, by the time that somebody decides to speak out, They have tried to go through every other channel to fix the problem. And that's typically what happens. You try to come forward about the fact that you were sexually abused. You try to get a church to take it seriously, and they refuse to do it. So then every single Sunday, you have children in pews who are vulnerable to a person who you know is a predator. And if it's not a person who is a known predator, it's someone who is covering up for people who are known predators. And that's a huge problem. One of the main things that people like to say is that this is a problem that you deal with within the four walls of the church and that you don't make it public for everybody else to hear. I think that's a big argument that a lot of us hear. Well, I would say this. If somebody broke into your house and robbed you and that person went to your church you probably would not go to the church and ask the church to discipline that person. If you realized that you had been robbed, you would call the police, right? You'd call the police. Maybe the story would get into the news, you know, maybe news would get into the community that it had happened, but I don't think anybody would be ashamed for saying, okay, this person who went to my church broke into my house and robbed me blind. And because that's a felony, I called the police and the police are dealing with it. So yes, this person is now going to prison because they, you know, committed robbery and they broke into my house and that's against the law. Uh, Think of it as if somebody in your church was committing murders. Like if you found out that someone was a serial killer and they were literally killing people like every once in a while, somebody would just disappear and you knew this person was responsible. You're not going to ask your church board to discipline this serial killer or discipline the person who robbed your house or who stole your car. You're not going to have the church do that. Why? Because these are legal issues that are actually, it's against the law. It's a felony for somebody to sexually abuse a child and it's a crime. And that means that, no, this is not something for church discipline to handle. Handle. First of all, it's something for the police to handle because the church is not equipped. We're not detectives. We're not police officers. We don't have law degrees. uh, Most of us, like, it's not something that the church is set up to take care of. That is what the law is for, and we're to obey the laws of the land. So if you tell someone that to speak out is wrong, and that we need to handle the instances of sexual abuse within the church, then you can literally find the scripture in in Romans 13, like you're to obey the governing authorities, and we're to obey the laws of the land. So you are actually in contradiction, direct contradiction with scripture. If you tell someone that sexual abuse is something that needs to be handled with church discipline, because it absolutely does not need to be dealt with, with church discipline, does the church have to deal with? Deal with it? Yes, the church does. But that's not the first group of people or agency that deals with sexual abuse. It's the police. So this is something that's going to get on into the news regardless. And if you went to a church where your church leaders were were covering up for a murderer. Like they knew that one of their deacons liked to kill people. He had fun doing it and he tried to hide his life of crime, but everybody kind of knew like, yeah, he's murdering people. I mean, this might sound like a dumb example um, because does this happen in churches? No, but the reason is because nobody is not reporting murder. Nobody is not reporting that their car got stolen. Like they're not dealing with felony crimes within the church a- and saying, oh, this is a matter of church discipline. They're calling the stand- police, So stop telling people that for issues of sexual abuse, we just need to handle it in-house. It is not scriptural. There's nothing you can find in scripture to back that up. And it's not something that you do with any other crime that gets committed within the church. And it's kind of a slap in the face to victims of sexual abuse. It really feels like a slap in the face because it's like, okay, if somebody stole your car out of the church parking lot and that person attended your your church services, you're calling the police, you're dealing with it in the legal way that everybody knows that you should and, and no one's arguing with you that because your car got stolen that you should be handling it with church discipline. No one's arguing that. But then you have children whose lives have literally been crushed by somebody who has sexually violated their bodies and you're telling the- small children and the people who care about them, like their parents and their siblings and and whoever else that is horrified by what's happened to them, you're telling them that you don't need to go to the police for this. This is something we're going to handle in-house. And even if we do go to the police, this is not something that we want to talk about to anybody. It's like you wouldn't have a problem doing it if it was your car. But when it's a human being, somehow that makes it This huge thing that needs to be covered up, that's something that I will literally never understand as long as I'm alive. Like, God will have to help me with that when I get to glory because I'm never understanding that as long as I live on this earth. So we've cleared that up. Sexual abuse is absolutely not a matter of church discipline. It is a crime. It is something that you are mandated to report as a church leader. So now that we've cleared up that sexual abuse is not a matter of church discipline, uh, we can move on to the next thing that I think that people like to argue. It's that even if people will agree, you're right. Sexual abuse is not a matter of church discipline only. Like we need to call the police. Everything needs to be handled through the proper like legal channels and We need to handle allegations of sexual abuse in the legal proper way. Even if people agree with that, there are still these people who might agree with that sentiment, but will then go on to say, but... You don't need to speak out about this on Facebook, because if you talk on Facebook, if you talk on Twitter, if you talk to the Washington Post or the New York Times about the things that are happening within the church, you're making the church look bad. You are giving the church a bad reputation, and you're hurting the cause of Christ. So people might agree that, yes, sexual abuse is terrible. Yes, it needs to be punished, and yes, you need the proper authorities involved, but no, You don't need to talk about it. Um, That's what I want to touch on next because I think that that is even a bigger problem than people thinking that sexual abuse needs to be handled with just church discipline because I think there's a lot more attention now on sexual abuse within the church and people are starting to come around there are still people who think that you should not say anything or handle it in-house or do whatever those people are wrong they just period they're wrong according to scripture they're wrong according to the law like that's not a question in my mind or something that is is up for debate really it's not because that's just the reality But for all the people who are coming around to the fact that sexual abuse needs to be dealt with in the proper legal way as far as like calling the police and whatever else that entails according to the laws in the city and the state that you live in, um, people are still having an issue with advocates and survivors speaking out on sexual abuse because they believe that to bring those things to light is hurting the cause of Christ. Well, I want to put this out there in the very beginning. There are typically not people who are sexually abused who are dying to go on social media and shout it from the rooftops or shout it from the Facebook post that they've been sexually abused or that someone in the church sexually abused them. And I just need everybody to know just because I want them to know because it's something I'd like to say. If you're a victim or a survivor of sexual abuse, however you like to refer to yourself, and you do just want to shout it from the rooftops, that's fine. Not condemning that at all or saying that's not the right thing. I'm just saying that typically that's not why survivors speak out. Typically, when you have somebody speaking out about sexual abuse or the way that it's handled within the church and, and they're becoming advocates and they're, they're speaking on platforms where the whole world can see Christian or not Christian, all of the other channels that they've tried to use have failed. For me, before I spoke out about the abuse that I had endured as a six-year-old, before I posted any of that on Facebook, I was dealing with how to try and handle the situation because the person who had sexually abused me was still in the church, was still working with children, and I believed that he was still offending. And it scared me to think there are little girls who are dealing with this and I could stop him if he's still doing this by using my voice and speaking up. So I went through the channels that you try to go through. And I got so much pushback from the pastor of the church, from the family members of the abuser, from people who just didn't want to hear what I had to say or didn't want to deal with it because of however long ago it happened, people who wanted to pretend or just fingers crossed, hope he wasn't doing it anymore. By the time I was finished with that whole process, it was a really terrible experience. It wasn't even as bad as The experiences that some people have. But when all of that was said and done, I put friendships on the line. I put my reputation on the line. I put out things that made me completely vulnerable and like laid bare and naked for the whole church to see. I did all of those things in the hopes that we could stop this man who I knew liked to pray on little girls from being around little girls in the church. And all this time later, He's still around little girls in the church. So it's not like uh, the church handled it perfectly. They handled it beautifully. And I spoke up and they said, oh my goodness, thank you so much for telling us your story. We're so glad that you let us know that we need to worry about this person. And he is not allowed to be in services with children ever again in our church because we believe that. You know, protecting children is the most important thing. If any of that had actually happened, I might not be talking to you on this microphone right now. I mean, maybe I would be speaking up for other people because that tends to be something that I'm drawn to anyway. But as far as speaking out about my own personal story and the mishandling of sexual abuse allegations like the reason that I have to speak out about them is because they were mishandled is because all those channels that I went through to go to the church to go to the mission board to appeal to people who had the power to do something to protect children and they all chose not to do it and having somebody stand in front of a church and say oh I've committed sin and so I can't be a deacon anymore, but nothing else is changing. Like, that is not handling an allegation of sexual abuse properly, especially when there's a danger to children who are still there. So when you finally see someone speaking out on Facebook or someone speaking out on Twitter or somebody sharing their story with the Washington Post, let me tell you, you don't know the hell that that person has been through to get to that point. These people have tried to go through every channel, including the church discipline channel. And yes, I'm using my air quotes. I do that and then I forget you can't see me right now. Um, But they've tried to go through these channels and it hasn't worked. They've tried to get churches like, we have people in our facebook group people who who literally commented today that they were told that they were sending people to hell by speaking out and their abusers are now in foreign countries running ministries and schools for little children adopting little girls the same age as the people that they liked to abuse in the past like The reason that we speak out is because our voices are necessary to make a change, because when we've gone to the church, when we've tried to reason with people and say, please hear us and listen to us, like, this person is a danger to little children. This person is a danger to the kids in your congregation. Please listen, because... Lives are going to be destroyed if you don't. And over and over again, we're having people either not listen at all or call us liars or tell us that we're bitter or tell us that we're just trying to sow discord. Or we have people who say like, yeah, you might be right that this happened, but this person's really sorry. So we're not going to make him stop teaching children in the church. We've appealed to the people that we can appeal to within the church, and they haven't listened. They've turned a blind eye. And I'm not saying that in every single church that's what every single person is doing But I am saying in almost every single church, that's what's happened, that we would not have all of these survivors of sexual abuse and advocates who are saying the exact same thing, even though all of their stories happened in different places and at different times and under different conditions, because our stories are so, so similar that when we try to go to the church, when we try to get help, when we try to stop someone that we believe is a predator, we are told over and over and over again, that we need to be quiet, that to speak out is somehow harmful to the church and harmful to the cause of Christ. And I want to give you a challenge. If you're a person that's ever thought like, oh my gosh, these people just need to shut up on Facebook about sexual abuse. Stop making the church look bad. I want you to open your Bible, find every commentary you can find, Google it if you must, but find me an instance in the Bible any instance in the Bible where God condones the covering up of sin. Find me one because it's not there. And I can say that confidently. It is not there where God says, hey, let's just cover up this sin. I mean, if you're talking about sins being covered by the blood, that's a completely different thing. But where God is actually condoning someone trying to hide their sin, because what you see in scripture over and over and over again, is that God was a serial collar-outer of sin. Jesus was a serial collar-outer of people who were religious leaders. And if you think of within the church, that's what we're dealing with as well. People who are religious leaders, who are worried about appearance, worried about the outside, tying heavy burdens on other people. And as Jesus put it to them, they're full of dead men's bones. They're whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you suck. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying. So there's no instance in the Bible where God condones the covering up of sin or helps people cover up their sin. There's no instance in the Bible where Jesus like was just like, oh, hey, spiritual leader, Hey, leader in the synagogue who is claiming to know God and be one of his messengers. Like, we're cool. Like, I'm not going to say anything in front of these crowds of people when I talk to you because I don't want to make my temple look bad. I don't want to make the house of God look like it has a bad rep. Like, that wasn't Jesus. Read your Bible because it wasn't him. And like, he didn't go to the money changers in the temple and say like, hey, guys, you know, could we, could I just chat with you here in private, I don't want to make the church look bad, you know, but what you're doing in here, probably want to rethink this like that wasn't Jesus, he was turning over tables, he threw a hissy fit. And he made a scene, he made a scene because what was happening in his house in in God's temple was not right. And he made a scene about it. And he was very vocal about it. And this wasn't something that was hidden because we didn't want the church to look bad. There's no instance where people are saying in the Bible that the problem with sin is that you're giving us a bad reputation. Like that's not the problem with sin. The sin itself is the issue. It is not the calling out of the sin that is the issue, especially when that sin is is oppressive to vulnerable people, is oppressive to children, is like you look at Jesus in the Bible, those are the people, the the people who were vulnerable, the oppressed, children he talked about that he stood up for and on whose behalf he got angry and was very outspoken. So if you see an advocate on Facebook or wherever it is, and they're speaking out and you're tempted to say that what they're speaking out about is hurting the cause of Christ, no. Us speaking out about it is not hurting the cause of Christ. People doing it is hurting the cause of Christ. I'm not sure where we got the idea that we needed to hide our sins because that's not something that we learn in scripture and we learn the opposite in scripture we're not told to hide our sins in fact Paul in the New Testament says that we are to expose the evil deeds of darkness we're told in the Bible that everything that's done in darkness is going to be brought to life like if you look at how the prophet Nathaniel rebuked King David after he stole Uriah's wife and had Uriah murdered he did it publicly and in his punishment Nathaniel said like you did this in secret but God is going to punish you for everybody to see. And was God saying, "Oh, can't punish David? Can't can't call him out because that's going to make." my church look bad it's nonsense like it's not in scripture I feel like we have these man-made rules and man-made little platitudes that we've somehow assigned to the Bible do you ever remember like in Sunday school they'd give you like a quiz a-, a list of sayings and you had to say like which sayings came from the Bible and which didn't and there are so many sayings that people would attribute to the Bible even though they're not in there and I still remember those quizzes and taking them and being very proud of myself that I knew which ones were actually from the Bible and which weren't. But even for a person who'd grown up with a father in ministry as a pastor's kid and a missionary's kid, some of them were hard to, to figure out because they're sayings that we've heard our whole lives, but a lot of them were not from the Bible. And so I just remember doing those quizzes and thinking, man, like so many people in those Sunday school classes would like answer, oh yeah, this isn't the Bible. Oh yeah, this isn't. And I just look at them like, oh my gosh, that's not from the Bible. How could you think that? But I think that that's what we do with so many of our ideas about how to handle like sexual abuse within the church, how to handle the church and and how we look in the community and, and things like that. Like we've invented a lot of this. It's not in scripture. You cannot find it. I don't find any scripture that says Don't speak out against sin because it's going to make the church look bad. Now, it doesn't say that sin doesn't make the church look bad, but it definitely doesn't say that speaking out against sin makes the church look bad. So you want to know what makes the church look bad besides uh, predators preying on little children and sometimes adults and sexually abusing them? That's number one. Like, that's what makes the church look bad. But worse than that crime or those crimes is the cover-up. And you've heard the saying, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. And no, that's not from the Bible in case you were wondering, but it's the truth. It is always worse than the crime itself. You commit a crime and you confess to it, you're going to get less prison time than if you commit a crime and go through some elaborate cover-up because It's always worse, you know, and the deception that you have to go through to cover up that crime is even worse than the thing you actually did in the first place. That's what gets to people. That's what people can't believe. And so when you say that we're turning away people from the Christian faith and that we're keeping them from going to heaven because we're speaking out about sin within the church, people are not leaving the faith because there are imposters who are infiltrating our churches and sexually abusing kids. They're leaving the faith or never having anything to do with it at all because of the response of of the church to impostors infiltrating and sexually abusing kids. Because over and over and over, what we're seeing, and we're seeing it everywhere, and God is bringing it to light. And you might think it's just loudmouth advocates who don't know how to shut up and who wanna make the church look bad this is not us. It is God who is doing a thorough cleansing of his church and bringing this stuff to light as we're promised in the Bible is going to happen. And as we are exhorted in the Bible by Paul to actually do, to bring these sins into the light and to expose them. Because the response of the church is what is turning people away from Christ. My goodness. If you had, say, in in my situation, I'll I'll just use myself in, as an example because I don't want to use you know somebody else's without their permission, but say in my situation, I had come forward and I had said, "Hey, so your deacon." actually sexually abused me when i was 6 years old and the way that it happened and how secretive he was and how he always seemed to know when my parents were going to be gone and and the way that he kind of sneaked around really lets me believe that this wasn't his first time doing it and i don't think it was his last and i'm worried that he's a serial you know pedophile and he's hurting children now if the church had said We are so sorry this happened to you. It's so important to us that children are protected within our church. We're sorry that it happened and we're right on board with you. Like we want to make sure that no child in our church is in danger. So what we're going to do is, you know, X, Y, Z. And they come up with a list of things that's actually going to protect children in the church, including keeping this person away from them. And they're being completely transparent. They're not lying to me because I will say this. Even though the mission board treated me a little bit better than the pastor who didn't want to help the the pastor that I initially um, reported to, even though they treated me a little bit better, they still lied through their teeth. The main mission board leader that I was dealing with told me lies. In order to not have to respond to my emails and in order to not have to like pay attention to what was happening or have an excuse for why things were taking a long time. And honestly, I would have had all the patience in the world that I needed to have. There was no reason to lie to me. But if they hadn't lied and if they had just taken it seriously and been hurt over the fact that maybe some young girls were being abused within the church and needed help, if they had grieved over that and they had done the right thing and they had taken measures to protect children, honestly, there wouldn't be anything for me to really be speaking out on. Would I be speaking out about sexual abuse? Yes. To try and help people heal and to try and help other people in their stories. But would I need to speak out about this church in particular and what had happened? No. The reason that I speak out is because no one is protecting little girls in that church. And there are so many this deacon who sexually abused me and admitted to sexually abusing other girls, like he's still allowed to do puppet shows for little girls and little boys. Like there's no accountability. There's there's nobody trying to make sure that the girls in that church are safe. That's why we need to speak out because over and over again, churches are getting it wrong. And when we confront churches and when we ask nicely and when we plead with them to please do the right thing, we're met with things like, well, you're just bitter. You just need to let this go. Like this poor abuser said he's sorry and, you know, we just need to forgive him and hug him and and just – You know, forgive him and move on with your life so you can have peace. That's the kind of response that we're getting. And it's not protecting children. And in my case, the church didn't, I don't think, cover up for the abuser, although from 14,000 miles away, it's hard to know exactly what happened. But they weren't necessarily covering up, I don't think. But in so many churches, that is what's happening. Hey, we're going to keep this you know, on the down low. We're not going to tell people in the church that there's a sexual predator here. We're going to let this sexual predator youth leader leave our church quietly and go to another one. And people are having their lives destroyed by child molesters and pedophiles all the time because of the decisions of these church leaders. So when this is happening over and over and over again for decades and decades and decades, and our voices are not being heard by people within the church, yes, we're speaking out to warn people about what's happening so that they can protect their children. Meanwhile, you have many churches who are coddling offenders. They're covering up crimes for offenders. They're refusing to be transparent with people. And you can quote whatever scripture that you want to quote to try and make it seem like they're doing something spiritual. What they're doing is wrong. It's not advocates making the church look bad by speaking out about what's wrong within the church. It's not even, honestly, really the abusers themselves that are making the church look bad. I mean, if a church handles an allegation properly and they don't coddle abusers and their number one priority is helping victims to heal, and helping them to get the help that they need after they've been abused, and keeping this predator away from other children. If that was their focus, I don't think anybody in the world could find fault with that. And, and that's the thing that is so frustrating when you talk to people. is They're telling us that we need to be quiet. It's not our voices that are turning people away. It is the reaction within the church to the knowledge that there is an abuser in your presence. These are some serious cover-ups. That if, if you go and, and read news stories and, and Christians who believe that our job is to be God's like PR team and we got to protect the reputation of the Lord, that's our job as Christians: pr- protect God and and His rep. It's like, have you read the Bible before? I want to ask people: like, have you ever read the Bible? If God was concerned with protecting His reputation by hiding the sins of people who claim to follow Him, like. Do you honestly think that half of the stuff that's in the Bible would be there, or like nine-tenths of the stuff that's in the Bible? God is not sitting in heaven like, oh, my reputation is terrible right now. I need to add some more Christians to my PR team. You guys are slacking off, and you need to tweet more things about how there's nothing wrong in the church. So people, don't. This is not how God operates. Like, it's not—read it, the Bible. That's all I can say. Is like, find in there where God condones the covering up of sin. Find in there where God condones or Jesus ever condoned the covering up of sin or keeping it hush-hush. Find somewhere. And if you can come back with clear examples of how that happened, then I will listen (laughs) maybe the next time somebody says, like, you shouldn't be speaking out about sex abuse in the church because you're making the church look bad. Listen, people who sexually abuse children are making the church look bad. People who are predators, whether it's of children or grownups, predators are making the church look bad. But what makes the church look even worse are the apologists for the abusers and the apologists for the predators who want to be able to cover up their crimes, to keep on the down low everything that they've done, to keep everybody in the dark and to keep the sin in the dark. Until it gets so big that there's no keeping it quiet anymore, and then it comes out, that's what's making the church look bad. Your cover-ups of crimes are making the church look bad, and the way that you're handling sexual abuse is making the church look bad when I hear like, um, especially sometimes Jimmy Hinton will talk about churches that he's consulted with and he'll share a story sometimes of a church that just like did the absolute stinking right thing when an allegation of sexual abuse came up. And it's like, I will be in tears. And all I can think is I'm so grateful for that church. All I can think is like, There's a church that's getting it right, and they're caring for people in their congregations. Like, And I'm a little bit jealous. Like, Honestly, I'm a little jealous that people get to go to that church and experience that as survivors of sexual abuse, like people actually caring for them, caring for them when they've gone through something horrible and protecting them and protecting other children in the church. I get jealous of that because there are so few churches, it seems, that are like that. And I don't think it's because people want to be like terrible. I think that it's because we have taught ourselves these ways of dealing with the church that are completely not scriptural. It's like believing if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, came from the Bible. It came from Bambi. Like it didn't come from the Bible, but these are the same kind of like ideas were peddling to people. If you speak out about sexual abuse in the church, you're dragging the church's reputation through the mud. You're hurting the cause of Christ. You're going to send people to hell. If you need to talk about this predator in the church who you are claiming has raped you, like I mean, if you really need to speak out loud about that, you need to understand that people are going to go to hell because you're doing that. Do you really want someone to burn in hell for all eternity because you want to talk about this? Like, is it really worth that? Like you should think before, seriously, like we're telling people these things and we're convincing ourselves that it's something that God agrees with us on and that scripture agrees with us on and it doesn't and he doesn't. And I, and honestly, that's all I've got. Um, people recognize institutional self-protection for what it is. And while I say that, nobody maybe we'll think of it as, oh, this is institutional self-protection. But when it happens, when a church wants to protect its reputation rather than protecting people created in the image of God, people who are outside the church, people who are in the world, as we like to say, people recognize institutional self-protection for what it is. Or rather, I should say, they recognize it for what it isn't. And what institutional self-protection isn't, is caring about the vulnerable and victimized, which is what Jesus always, always did. That's what's ruining the reputation of the church in the world. It's our response when a predator is preying on sheep. And instead of protecting those sheep, we coddle the predator and say, we know that you're just a sheep at heart and you just need, you know, God to heal you and we know you feel really bad about what you did and so we're going to let you be around these other sheep and we, we believe you even though you've got those razor sharp fangs when you say you're never going to do it again we believe you. It, it, that's the reaction of the church that is causing the world to sit up and say what the heck and probably they're saying worse than that is wrong with these churches. It's not because advocates are speaking out. It's because what's happening within the churches is so wrong. And when somebody in the world, when somebody who does not profess to know Christ, who is not a believer, when somebody in the world can pick that out and we can't, there's a problem. There's a serious, serious problem. So I want to say this to you. I know I said I was done, but I want to say this to you. If somebody has ever told you that to speak out, is somehow ruining the cause of Christ. If they've ever told you you're sending people to hell, I want to say, first of all, I'm sorry, because it's a ridiculous thing for anybody to ever be told. And it's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. This is something that the enemy, like if you're a Christian, when I say the enemy, you know what I'm talking about. This is something that the enemy wants us to believe. That our transparency, that our speaking up for the vulnerable, that our fight for what's right is somehow anti-Christian and anti-church and anti-God. The enemy wants us to believe that, that to cover up sin is the right thing to do. To hide transgressions is the right thing to do. Because as long as you're covering up, as long as you're hiding, and as long as you're keeping things in the dark, your witness is ineffective. Just is. You know, the saying that truth is, never shrinks from inquiry. We don't have to be scared of the truth. And if you look at the Bible, all you see is truth. God is truth. And he never flinches or shrinks back from the truth of a situation because it's going to make him look bad or make his church look bad. That's just not who God is. And that's not what he stands for. And bringing sin out into the light and being transparent and refusing to hide, whether it's Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, whether it's King David trying to hide the sin that he committed against God and Uriah, whether it's any other story in the Bible where somebody tried to hide a transgression and it never, ever ends nicely for that person. God is truth. And speaking the truth and opening up our mouths and speaking out for what's right is never wrong. It's not wrong. So when people tell you that it's wrong, they're telling you because there's something in them that cannot handle the truth that you're sharing. They can't handle that they may need to look at how their church deals with sexual predators. They can't handle that they may need to look at things that they believe their whole lives that may not actually be from the Bible, that may not actually be truth. They cannot handle The truth that we're sharing, but that should never stop us from sharing it. So to answer my original question, is my podcast sending people to hell? Are you sending people to hell because you've chosen to speak up about sexual abuse within the church? The answer is a resounding no. I think that especially As believers. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And if I'm talking to somebody about the issues within the church, it's never to just say, oh, you shouldn't like Christians because they're all terrible. Oh, you shouldn't. It's never that. It's that I know what Christ would actually want from us based on his word. I know from scripture that protecting the vulnerable and protecting the innocent from wolves is an important thing. And I want to share... The real Jesus with people, not the Jesus that churches who are so caught up in other things feel like they they can't follow because they need to protect their institution. So keep speaking out. Um, It's not easy. Um, (laughs) It isn't an easy thing, you know, and, you know, Christians who disagree with us speaking out like to act as though we're getting some big thing out of this. And honestly, what we're trying to do is protect your children from being abused. We're trying to protect the innocent from falling into this trap that they didn't ask for and that they don't deserve and that we could stop if the church would do the right thing. So... That's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Survivor Sanctuary. I appreciate it. And of course, we'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you can join us on the Facebook group page, Survivor Sanctuary Podcast. Just do a search for it, answer the membership question, and I'll add you into the group. And then you can add your comment and let us know what your experience has been with people in the church and their reaction to you being vocal and being outspoken about sexual abuse. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I'll catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.